0: Welcome to the SMC 2021 podcast. What if God wanted to do something new in your life? This is your fresh start. Hey guys, my name is Dave Edwards and I'm on staff with Stumo at the University of Arizona. If you want to know what God has to say about drugs and alcohol, you've come to the right place. Before we jump in, I wanna tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in Houston, Texas, and my whole entire life, I dreamt of being a Texas Longhorn. Problem is, they didn't accept my application. I didn't get in, and so I did what every Texan does when they don't get into the University of Texas. I took my talents to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I became a Razorback. Woo pig, baby. I spent a few years in Arkansas, had the time of my life, graduated, got married, came on staff with Stumo, and moved all the way across the country to Tucson, Arizona. Now, I'm not here to brag, but I'll just tell you this. There is nothing better to get than getting to live in a place where it is sunny 360 days a year. I love getting to live in Arizona. Hey, back in my college days at Arkansas, I was a Lambda Chi. I had a time of my life, and, and I remember when I was a pledge, I met our president, who was a Christian, and I met a couple other guys who were Christians, and because of them, I became extremely interested in growing in my faith in college. But at the same time, I loved to be the life of the party. So I came to SMC, sat in your seat, and felt this massive tug of war in my heart because I wanted to follow Jesus, but I knew that I had built my persona around being the guy who goes hard at the parties. I was the guy who blacked out and ended up on Snapchat stories. I was the guy who spent an entire summer stoned on pot brownies. You know, Lambda Chi gives an award to the best pledge each semester. I was the guy who would have won the award for the most useless pledge. When I was a pledge, I loved to party. It was how I felt connected socially. It was what I looked forward to during class. But when I came to my first SMC, I had the same problem that many of you are facing today. My problem was I I wanted to follow Jesus, but I was afraid that if I followed him, I'd be an outcast. I'd be left out of all the fun, and I'd graduate feeling like college was a massive flop. Maybe you're feeling the same way as me. If so, I want you to know that it makes perfectly good sense that you feel that way. You've heard a little bit from me about why I drank in college, so now I want to let y'all discuss together. Why do people drink in college? You know, I've gotten to talk to a bunch of different students over the years. I've gotten to hear a bunch of different opinions, and I feel like I've kind of narrowed it down to a few different reasons why it seems that most people drink in college. Number one is belonging. You want to belong. You want to feel like you're part of the uh, the it crowd, right? You want to be connected socially. The truth is nobody wants to be left out. You don't come to college to get left out. You come to college to build relationships. And on top of that, if you open up any social media outlet and you see that you're being left out, it feels terrible. So people drink so that they can belong. Another reason why people drink is is to deal with stress or even boredom, which makes a ton of sense, right? 2020 has been an extremely stressful year. And for a lot of people, it's been Pretty boring as well. If you've gotten locked down and been forced to stay in your fraternity or sorority house for two weeks, three weeks in a row, you can get pretty bored. So it would make sense that people would use alcohol or even drugs to deal with that stress and boredom. Here's the last reason why I think people drink in college the last big reason it's got to be liquid courage. Think about it you're at the party, you look across the room, you see that girl who's a 10, and your stomach drops. You need a little bit of extra help. So what do you do? You get some liquid courage and then you go say what's up. Everyone has an opinion on drugs and alcohol. And interestingly enough, so does God. God has an opinion on drugs and alcohol. Why does his opinion matter? First reason, he loves you more than you can measure. Psalm 103 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. If God loves you more than you can measure, you can bet that his opinion matters. Why else does his opinion matter? Because God is the king and God is the creator. You open up the Bible to any page and you see that, that God is the king over all creation because he's the one who created it. So it would make sense that the king's opinion matters. And finally, Third reason why God's opinion matters is he is totally trustworthy. I would encourage you, if you have a hard time trusting God, I would encourage you to open up Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the entire Bible and just read it over and over and over again. It talks about how God is trustworthy and everything that he tells us is trustworthy. So that's why his opinion matters. Another question, though, why does God tell us anything about drugs and alcohol? Why doesn't he just leave us to make up our own opinion? Here's why. Because as a loving father, he cares about every area of our lives. He knows that we want to belong, that we want peace when we're stressed out, and that we want a memorable college experience. He knows where we can find those things that we desire. And because he loves us, he tells us the truth about drugs and alcohol in his word. So the golden question is, what does God's word say about drugs and alcohol? Well, let's get into it. What does God's word say about drugs and alcohol? Drugs and alcohol won't satisfy you, but God satisfies you forever. That's the first thing that God tells us. Drugs and alcohol won't satisfy you, but God satisfies you forever. Let me ask you a question. How would you feel if someone told you that you couldn't smoke weed or drink any alcohol, not a single drop, in the spring semester? If you told me my freshman year that I couldn't smoke weed or drink any alcohol, I would have been ticked off. See, for me, drugs and alcohol were my go-to. They're what I went to when, when I wanted to have fun, when I wanted to relax, when I wanted to just chill out with the boys. It's what I relied on for happiness. Have you guys ever heard of Dan Bilzerian? For those of you who don't know him, he's basically, he's the guy who guys at the University of Arizona wanna be. He's ripped, he's got tons of money, and he spends his time partying in Vegas, playing poker, racing fast cars, and blowing stuff up. There was actually a guy in the Bible who lived just like Dan Bilzerian, just to see what it would be like. The guy was named King Solomon. And if you read his story, you learn a few things about him. You learn that he was extremely successful. He made almost $900 million in a single year. You would learn that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. On top of all that, you would learn that King Solomon partied his face off. So here's what he said. He said, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. I tried cheering myself with wine. I think that's most of us when we get to college. We can't wait to find the good life. And we're told that drugs and alcohol is exactly where we'll find it. But look what he says next. The next thing he says is this. But that also proved to be meaningless. That's not what we're expecting when we get to college. We're expecting the good life, not meaningless. So what gives? What's the problem? What we're learning from Ecclesiastes, which is where these these, uh, verses are from, is that even though drugs and alcohol promise to give us the good life, they don't deliver. When I got to college, I decided I was gonna be the guy who was drunk or high every chance I got. I wanted the good life. And I think Proverbs 23 really describes my life at that point. Check it out with me. It says this, "'Who has anguish? "'Who has sorrow?' Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Now, as you read that, you probably think, wow, I want none of those things. Sorrow? Always fighting and complaining? Unnecessary bruises? That sounds lame. Here's the person who gets that kind of life. The next verse. It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks. That's who I was, the party guy. I was the guy who was always drinking. When you live that way, you inevitably end up with more difficulty, worse relationships, more complaining, and some unnecessary bruises. It reminds me of a pledge trainer at the University of Arizona. He was one of the most feared guys on campus because he was always down to fight, especially when he was drinking. Friday mornings, whenever I was In the wreck, working out, I'd see him walk in either with a black eye or a bruised wrist or cuts up and down his arms arms and legs from a fight that he had been in the night before. Every single time we talk on those Friday mornings, he'd say the same thing. Bro, I'm just so hungover. Does that sound like the good life to you? Proverbs 23 then says this. Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end it bites like a poisonous viper, it stings like a viper. Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end it bites like a poisonous snake, and it stings like a viper. I don't know if you've ever been been bitten by a poisonous snake, but what this is saying is that when you drink too much, it messes you up. You get sick, you get a headache, you vomit, and you pass out, just like if you had been bitten by a poisonous snake. Proverbs 23 goes on to say this, You will see hallucinations, and you'll say crazy things. I think we've all been there before when we've been drunk. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. Guys, you know what it's like when you go into the bathroom when you you've been drinking a bunch and you know you're at the urinal and, and you're, you're going to pee and you just start swaying back and forth. That's exactly what this is talking about. It then says, and you will say they hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I can look for another drink? We can be honest here. getting drunk, and going crazy at a party can be fun in the moment, no doubt, no question about it. But over time, that fun starts to wear off. We start doing the same exact things over and over and over again. And when we get to junior and senior year, I start to hear people saying, man, college feels kind of meaningless. I'm ready to just graduate and move on with my life. What if God had something better for you in college? Do you, remember before, do you remember before when we talked about why people drink? One of the re- those reasons was to belong. But the problem is that we're told that the only way to continue belonging is to continue getting drunk. That's what determines our belonging. So our belonging is only momentary. It only lasts as long as we continue to do what everyone else expects us to do. There's got to be something better than that. What if there was a way to belong that lasted forever? John 1.12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. This is talking about Jesus. To all who believed Jesus and accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, he gave the right to become children of God. I'm just gonna come out and say it. The satisfaction that you find from knowing that you are a son or daughter of God forever is so much greater than anything you can find in a bottle or at a party. When you follow Jesus, God tells you that you are his son or daughter, that you were loved by him forever, and that there is nothing that you could do to make him abandon you. College culture promises that if you party hard, you'll belong and you'll be satisfied. The problem is our culture over-promises and under-delivers, always. Our creator, God, says that if you want true belonging and satisfaction, you'll find both in a relationship with him. Drugs and alcohol won't satisfy you, but God will. What else does God say about drugs and alcohol? The next thing that God tells us in the Bible is don't get drunk or high, but be filled with the Spirit. Most of you probably could have guessed that the Bible would say that. But the question is, why does God tell us not to get drunk? Well, before we go any further, we got to remember that truth from earlier on, that God loves you more than you could measure, and he is for you. So obviously, this command must lead us to something better in life. Look at Ephesians 5.18. Here's what it says. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look at the verses before this one, Paul, who wrote this, is actually giving us clear instructions about how to live. He tells us to be careful about how we live. Be wise. Don't be foolish. And that we need to understand God's will. Why is it that the very next thing Paul says is don't get drunk, here's why. When you're drunk, it's impossible to live the authentic life that God wants for you. How do we know that? We know that because alcohol is a depressant, which means that when you're drunk, you lose self-control, and so you can't be careful about how you live. When you're drunk, you can't be wise. You start acting like a fool, and reality is, when we're drunk, we can't understand God's will. Think about Jesus for a second. He was the perfect example of what it means to live the human life to the fullest. Did Jesus ever get drunk? No, instead, his life was about loving God and loving other people. And that's exactly what he tells us to do. The truth is though, when we're drunk, we have no interest in loving God or loving others like Jesus tells us to. All we really care about is getting what we want. I I remember uh, when I used to get drunk, I had two things that I thought about. Me want food and me want woman. That's it. It was impossible for me when I was drunk to live the life that God created me for. Hey, look at the end of that verse again, Ephesians 5.18. At the end of the verse, it, it tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Now, If I'm honest, that phrase probably sounds pretty outlandish. What does that even mean, be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible knows something that we're starting to figure out today, and it's this. Whatever fills you is what controls you. If you're filled with rage, you're controlled by rage. If you're filled with anxiety, you're controlled by anxiety. If you're filled with alcohol, you're controlled by alcohol. And if you're filled by the Holy Spirit, you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. When you become a follower of Jesus, God gives you his Holy Spirit who lives in you and actually helps you live the Christian life, which is pretty sweet to think about. So the command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, means that we daily, hour by hour, moment by moment, choose to submit our actions, opinions, and thoughts to the authority of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.15 gives you a little bit of an idea of what that looks like. It says, and he died for all, he being Jesus, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. It's the same that when we are filled with the Spirit, we're no longer living for ourselves, but for him, for Jesus. Why? Because he's the king, he's the hero of our story. We're the ones who have been saved by him. And out of love and thankfulness, We live for him. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So why is it better for us to be filled with the Spirit than to get drunk or high? Well, I've mentioned this a couple times, but I'll say it again. Alcohol and drugs are depressants. So when we're drunk, we miss out on real love, real joy, real peace, and real self-control. That causes us to miss out on the good life. But the Holy Spirit does the exact opposite. When we're filled by him, he makes our life so much more enjoyable. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, which means the results of being filled with God's Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now think about it for a second. How much better would your life be if you were constantly growing in all of these areas? Here's what I think. I think you'd have deeper relationships. You'd be the kind of person whose joy is contagious. You'd be the kind of person that other people look up to, even if they don't follow Jesus. You'd be secure in your own skin, not worried about what anyone else thinks about you. That stress and anxiety that you started feeling a couple years ago, for the first time, you'd experience peace that comes from God and is so powerful That it leaves you speechless. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you can probably agree that the life I just described sounds like a life worth living. God doesn't tell us not to get drunk because he wants to keep us from the good life. He tells us not to get drunk because he knows that being drunk keeps us from the good life. The Bible tells us that alcohol won't satisfy us, but God does. It tells us not to get drunk or high, but to be filled with the spirit. And lastly, the Bible tells us to consider avoiding alcohol to be a leader. I'll say that one more time. Consider avoiding alcohol to be a leader. Now I know someone out there is, is hearing that and thinking to themselves, avoid alcohol. What are you what's wrong with you? Are, are you serious? Hear me out. When I was a Lambda Chi pledge, I was not a Christian. In fact, I was very far from God. I met a few guys in the house that everyone else seemed to respect and get along with. And one of those guys was named A.B. He was our president. And you wanna know the first two things I noticed about this guy? Number one, he had the strongest Southern accent I'd ever heard. He was from Jonesboro, Arkansas. And number two, (laughs) I never saw him drink. He went to every party, came early, stayed late, but I never saw him drink any alcohol. What happens in the mind of a freshman when you see an older member that is respected and comes to every party but never gets drunk? You can't help but be curious. A.B. sparked my interest in God because he was living differently and I wanted some answers. What is different about this A.B. guy? Why doesn't he drink? Why doesn't he drink? Why do guys respect him so much even though he doesn't drink? Here's what I found out. A.B. didn't drink because he was living for a greater purpose. He had every right to drink, but he chose not to. Instead, he chose to show us what it looks like to live a satisfied life, a joy-filled life, a life in relationship with God. A.B. chose to be a leader, and here's what you need to know about leaders. Leaders choose to live for their purpose over their rights. I'll say it again. Leaders choose to live for their purpose over their rights. In the Bible, a leader named Paul speaks directly to this idea. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, he says this. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. If you're 21, do you have the right to drink alcohol? Absolutely. But what Paul's saying here is this. Don't be a slave to your rights. Instead, choose a greater life. Choose to live for your purpose. Love God and love others. That's your purpose. Romans 14, 21 has the same idea in mind. It says this. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. If you're in this room and you want to impact others for Jesus, I want to ask you to consider what it would look like for you to avoid alcohol and drugs to be a leader. At Arizona, there's a senior in SIGEP who made that exact decision. His name is Ethan Harper. He's another Houston guy, and he's the first guy in his fraternity to follow Jesus since we've been there. For most people, senior year is all about you. You gotta get that last crazy year in before the fun is over. Ethan's senior year is totally different. He's been wise in his decisions towards drugs and alcohol, including deciding to never drink at the house. He knew that the easiest way to stick out as a follower of Jesus was to make it a priority to be at the house as much as possible, but not drink. Ethan prayed for SIGAPS all summer and all semester. He went to the house as much as possible to eat lunch, hang out with the boys, and build relationships. He was at the parties, but he didn't drink. So what was the result? Ethan became a leader of men. He's led a Bible study, anywhere from 10 to 12 guys weekly at SIGEP. He started leading guys to Christ, and he has three other SIGEPs coming with him to SMC, I'm so proud of Ethan. He's not the loudest guy in the room, but he's more courageous than most of the people that I've met in my life. How do I know that? Because in a fraternity where it was certain that Ethan would take some ridicule for not drinking and smoking, Ethan had the courage to value God's opinion over anyone else's. Now, I know we've got a mixed crowd in here. Some people are over 21 and some are not, but I wanna give you some practical ideas about what this looks like in real life. For me, when I became a Christian, I wasn't 21 yet. So I completely avoided alcohol until I turned 21 because I knew it was illegal for me to drink. And I had been—I had a pretty long track record of being controlled by drugs and alcohol. And I didn't want anything to get in the way of me getting closer to God. So when I turned 21, here's what I decided. I decided I would go to the parties at Lambda Chi, but I would never drink alcohol at the frat house. Why? Because I was surrounded by guys who were struggling. They were really, truly struggling with drugs and alcohol. Some guys were even struggling with alcoholism. And there were a ton of guys that were convinced that you had to rely on these things to have fun. And so I would go, I'd hang out with the boys, I'd have a great time. And then I'd usually go to bed at around 1 a.m. And just like AB, I wanted to be with the boys and I wanted to enjoy college with them, but I wasn't going to drink in front of them. Instead, I wanted to show them a better way to live. So I decided I'd be at the parties, but I wasn't gonna drink at the house. I decided I wouldn't drink at bars or in front of younger guys on Lambda Chi. And really I made that decision because I wanted to impact guys for Christ. That was my focus. I wanted to see their lives change. And I knew that if anyone who was struggling with alcohol saw me drink, it would just be confusing for them. And honestly, it would do more harm than good. So I decided that I wasn't gonna drink at bars or in front of younger guys in Lambda Chi. And lastly, I decided that I would only drink with other believers that I trusted and, and who were over 21. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. How do you drink for the glory of God? Well, here's what that looked like for me. I would grab two craft beers. That was my limit. I was only gonna drink two. I would go to my friend Grayson's apartment and a couple of men who were Christians would come together and we would hang out and we would just spend time together. We'd talk about our dreams for the future. We'd share stories about our lives. Uh, We'd talk about God's word together. We would even wrestle over questions that we had about God. And and honestly, it was an incredible time with those guys. And really, that was pretty much the only time that I was gonna drink. I wasn't thinking, oh, when can I get the next chance to drink? I was thinking, how can I love God today? How can I love the men God placed in my life today? Who can I serve? How can I lead? This is the leader's mentality. Leaders choose to live for their purpose over their rights. If you're a follower of Jesus, your purpose is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love others. That's where you find a life worth living. So what does the Bible say about drugs and alcohol? If you wanna be a leader, you should avoid it. Other than telling us not to get drunk, the Bible never tells you an exact specific number of drinks that you're allowed to have. God leaves us some room here to make wise decisions. And you may be wondering, why doesn't God just tell me how much I can drink? Well, I believe it's because God cares more about our hearts. He wants us to really examine ourselves and ask the tough questions. Here are a couple uh, example questions you could ask yourself. What am I searching for in drugs and alcohol? It could be belonging or peace or satisfaction. What does God want me to do? What is keeping me from obeying him? And lastly, this is, this is such an important question. What steps will I take in the spring semester to live God's way? especially when it comes to drugs and alcohol. What steps will you take in the spring semester to live God's way? I don't know what that next step looks like for you. Maybe you need to completely avoid all drugs and alcohol for some amount of time. I went two years after I became a Christian without drinking because I wasn't 21 and because I'd been so heavily heavily controlled by drugs and alcohol before I became a Christian. Maybe you need to find an accountability partner to go with you to parties. I highly encourage that. It's actually a ton of fun. If you plan on going to a party and not drinking, it's so much more fun and and so much easier to do that when you have another sober friend with you. Maybe you disagree with me and you need to dig into the Bible uh, a little bit more and learn more about what it says about alcohol. I'd encourage that. It's it's not a big deal if you disagree with me. That's okay. You can use the Bible app to search for words like drunk or wine or sober or sober-minded And and yeah, build a, a greater knowledge about what God has to say about drugs and alcohol. I don't know what that next step looks like for you, but my prayer is that whatever your next step is, you would take it. Take the next step. It's so easy and so tempting to live your life for the status quo. It's so easy and tempting to blend into the crowd and be a follower. I would know because I've been there before. I spent most of my life living there. And I want you to know that God has so much bigger plans for you. I know it's hard and I know it's scary, but if you're willing to trust God with this area, he's going to do bigger things in your life than you could ever imagine. If you're willing to trust him, Jesus will give you the belonging, the peace, and the satisfaction that you've been searching for. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to hear more content from SMC, you can find other breakout sessions on Apple and Spotify at SMC 2021.